Welcome back to the podcast. In our Bible reading this week, we hit Psalm 43, and within Psalm 43, we find one amazing little verse that unfolds into all sorts of implications, leading to a wonderful question from a pastor named Robert, who lives and ministers in Wisconsin. Hello, Pastor John, and thank you for the way you have served and encouraged pastors like me from a distance over the decades through your faithful labors. I love Psalm 43.4, a life verse for me and one I want to better understand. I know you love this text as well. Here it is. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. If I remember correctly, somewhere I heard you translate the Hebrew of this text like this, quote, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God the joy of my joys. God is the joy of our joys. I can't find where you said this, but you're not the only one, as I have come to see this in other interpretations of this verse, from Puritan Thomas Goodwin in the 17th century to William de Berg in the 19th to classic Hebrew scholars today. Mm. So can you walk us through the Hebrew briefly and then explain what this means, that God is the joy of our joys? I've historically thought of this text saying what the ESV here implies, that God is the most exceeding joy above all other joys, a comparison. Mm -hmm. But you seem to indicate that this text is speaking of source, that God is the joy that is the giver of all other joys. That changes the text completely. If so, expand on this. This seems like a huge discovery. Well, that's not quite what I mean. <laughs> so <laughs> let me, let me uh, yeah. I, I totally love what he loves here and yeah. want to get at it because there is something really quite right. I don't mean source. Um, when I say joy of our joys, what I mean is God is the essence of our joys. God mm. is the substance of all our joys. He's the best part of every joy ah. if we are enjoying things rightly. So he's not only supreme joy, which is what the ESV brings out, our exceeding joy, yeah. but he is also the best part of all other joys, he is to be what makes all our joys most enjoyable. That's hmm. what I mean. Now, let's, let's see if that's so and uh, get the verse in front of us here. Psalm 43, let's read um, verses 3 and 4. So the psalmist is crying out to God, and he says, Send your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. So that's the, the verse. So the psalmist identifies God as his exceeding joy, which the ESV, the NASB, the King James Version all translate exceeding joy. The Hebrew Simchat gili, simchat gili, two different words for joy or happiness or pleasure, um, literally then could be translated the joy of my gladness, which in fact is exactly what's in the margin of the old King James, hmm. the joy of my gladness. So the question is, what is that literal phrase, the joy of my gladness, mean? The ESV and the other versions take it to mean that at least it means he's my best gladness. The joy of my gladness means 
of all my gladness, he's the best. And surely that's right. I mean, it, at least it means that God is supreme. God never made anything more valuable or more enjoyable than himself. So yes, God is our exceeding joy. That's what it means to be God, I think. And that's what it means to love God. But the question remains, is that all the phrase means? Is there more implied in the phrase, joy of my gladness? So way back, so I'm guiding our friend to where I actually said that. (laughs) He said he couldn't (laughs) find it. Well, February 26, 2006, it's on the DG website on this text. Uh, I preached on this, and I remember it so clearly because I had, I, it was 12 days after my prostate cancer surgery. Oh, wow. I wow. chose this text precisely for, for that. Huh. Um, so way back, February 26, 2006, I preached on this, and uh, here's what I argued. I'll quote one, two sentences. God, who in all my rejoicing over all the good things that he had made, is himself in all my rejoicing the heart of my joy, the gladness of my joy. Every joy that does not have God as the central gladness of the joy is a hollow joy and in the end will burst like a bubble, end quote from the sermon. Now, the reason that insight is so important is because without it, all our enjoyment of God's gifts, the things that he's made, would not honor God the way that enjoyment should. Hmm. Or to put it in the form of a question, what keeps our enjoyment of pizza or friendship from being idolatry? That's the question. Now, you could answer, because we always enjoy God more than pizza, and we always enjoy God more than than friendship, and that keeps it from being idolatry. And that's true, and that's crucial. God is our exceeding joy, supreme joy. But I think God intends to be glorified not only by being enjoyed more than pizza, and more than friendship, but by being enjoyed in the very enjoyment of pizza and in the very enjoyment of friendship. Hmm. I think God intends for us to enjoy his sweetness in the sweetness of chocolate, his saltiness in the saltiness of french fries, his juiciness in the juiciness of a sizzling steak, his friendship in the company of our friends, his brightness in the sunrise, and and so on. When Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.17, set your hope on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, I don't think he meant only make sure you enjoy God more than everything he made, but rather make sure you enjoy God in everything he made, under everything as the source of joy, over everything as superior joy, and in everything as the best part of 
the enjoyment of everything. Hmm. Now, you could also say that, and this is true, thankfulness for God's gifts is another key to keep the enjoyment of God's gifts from becoming God, keep ourselves from becoming idolaters, to be consciously thankful that every legitimate pleasure in this life is a gift of God, is a good thing. That's a right thing. By all means, we should be thankful. It's a sin to be ungrateful for every good thing God gives. God gives. So, so Paul said in uh, 1 Timothy 4, uh, verse 4, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. But here's, here's the issue. I want to push into this. Thankfulness is not enough to keep the enjoyment of God's gifts from becoming idolatrous. Hmm. Think with me about this. Why is that? Why is thankfulness not enough to keep God's good gifts from being idols to us? It's because we all know that someone may give us a gift we enjoy more than we enjoy the person who gave it. We know this. Being thankful to God or anyone does not mean we love the giver more than the gift. It doesn't. A cranky, mean-spirited old man may give you the gift you've wanted all your life, and you're thankful. Yes, you are. But you don't like him. He's cranky. (laughs) He's a mean-spirited old man. You're not sure why he gave it to you, but he gave it to you, and you've wanted it all your life, so you're thankful for it. If we're going to glorify God in the enjoyment of his gifts, we have to go beyond thankfulness. So back to Psalm 43, verse 4. God is the joy of my gladness means not only that he is better than the gladness I have in other things, that is my exceeding joy, but that he is the best part of the gladness I have in other things. He's the joy of my gladness. He is what makes the enjoyment of those other things more enjoyable. When the psalmist says in Psalm 73, verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. Wow, what a statement. Hmm. He might mean, I desire nothing above God. He might mean that. But it sounds like he means, I don't desire anything on earth of which God is not the chief part. Hmm. I don't want to enjoy anything, he's saying, which is not also an enjoyment of God. I want to enjoy God in friendship. I want to enjoy God in eating. I want to enjoy God in the pleasures of the marriage bed. I want to enjoy God in music and reading and rising early to see the dawn. Now, if we're on to something here, let's see what some other significant Christian thinkers have said about this. Here's the way Thomas Traherne put it. You never enjoy the world aright till you see how a grain of sand exhibits the wisdom and power of God and prize 
in everything the service which they do you by manifesting his glory and goodness to your soul. Now, that's not mere thankfulness. This is enjoying God in our enjoyment of what he has made. Every part of creation is designed by God to communicate something of God, and when we enjoy that part of creation, we are to savor God in it. Here's the way Augustine put it in his prayer. He loves thee too little, speaking to God, he loves thee too little who loves anything together with thee, which he loves not for thy sake. Now, for thy sake, I take to mean we love what is not God properly by loving it for what we taste of God in it, Hmm. not just out of thankfulness but what we taste and see, smell, feel of God in it. So, let us go with the psalmist to the altar of God, that is, to the cross of Jesus Christ, and enjoy the forgiveness of sins that he purchased there, and through that gift, let us know and enjoy God as our exceeding joy, yes, and as the gladness of all our joys. Yeah, profound. Thank you, Pastor John. This episode on Psalm 43.4 is a big addition to an ongoing conversation that we've had over the years, questions every listener will wrestle with at some point to avoid idolatry. Uh, Questions like, do I love the giver more than his gifts to me? And how do I love the giver in his gifts to me? Those are profound questions that get asked in a lot of different ways. And if that's something you you want more help on, I just wrote a book that takes all of our episodes on these themes, and I wrote a digest of them uh, in a new book titled Ask Pastor John 750 Bible Answers to Life's Most Important Questions. Uh, See pages 95 to 98 for that digest for these questions about the giver and his gifts in a new book we're going to talk about soon. Uh, in early March is when it releases. Thank you, Pastor John, for this episode. And thanks for joining us today. If you have a question you want to ask Pastor John, email it to askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. And again, if you're reading your Bible with us, we are in Leviticus, in the thick of it, raising an important question uh, about the disabled in the Old Testament. Why did God shun them? I'm your host, Tony Ranke. It's an important question, and it's up next on Thursday. See you then.